the wisdom of God. You know, we have in this study over the past few weeks and months had to deal with a lot of big words. And we dealt with those big words by defining what they meant, which makes them simple. Tonight we have a word that is actually part of our regular vocabulary. But if I asked you to define it, could you do so? Your brain says, well, I know what it means, but... Uh, uh, uh. And sometimes it's hard to put into words what you know in your head, you just can't get it to come out in word form. So let me give you the word form. Wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, and understanding. But a practical definition might be a little better for us. Wisdom is the ability to deal with a situation and obtain a favorable outcome. It's the ability to deal with a situation and obtain a favorable outcome. If your mom had an antique vase and a fly landed on it, and you killed that fly with a brick, you would have dealt with the situation, but it would not have been a favorable outcome. And your mom would have said, that was not wisdom, son, as she picks up the shards of her antique vase. God has perfect wisdom. He's the perfect ability to deal with the situation and obtain a favorable outcome. God has perfect wisdom. It's often the case to understand one of God's attributes, it's often easiest if we look at the opposite of that attribute. And that would be man's wisdom. When we want to understand God's wisdom, we look at the opposite of it, and that would be man's wisdom. And when we think about man's wisdom, certain characteristics about man's wisdom are obvious. Man's wisdom is often not wisdom at all, but foolishness. Okay, when we think about man's wisdom, often it's not wisdom at all, it's just plain foolishness. We like to watch Andy Griffith's show. And if you know your Andy Griffith episodes, you'll know that in the episode where Gomer joins the Marine Corps, and in, throughout the middle of the episode, he puts on, the, his, the other recruits kind of fool him, and he puts on the dress blue uniform of the sergeant and shows up in formation in the sergeant's dress blue uniform. Of course, that all blows up, and the next thing you know, he's sitting on his bunk with a bucket on his head. And Andy's there, and he's asking, what do you got the bucket on your head? And Gomer tells him the story. And Andy says, Gomer, that was stupid. And Gomer says, weren't it, though? Now, I want to ask you, how many times have you not said that to yourself? Now, politeness of the people around us, society doesn't really allow us to say to somebody's face, that was stupid. But if somebody would say that to us, We'd have to say, weren't it though? It seemed like a good idea at the time. But when you look on back on it, you say, that was not wisdom at all. That was stupid. Our wisdom is often just foolishness in disguise. Another part of man's problem with man's wisdom is often it's compartmentalized. That's not a good word, but it's the only word I could think of. It's compartmentalized. Einstein was a genius. But they say that one day he went to work 
and forgot to put his pants on. Okay, his genius only works in certain spots. A man may be able to lead a whole group of people out of a, a jungle situation and cause them to survive. But he not, may be completely unable to handle his checking account. A person may be able to design amazing inventions, but unable to deal with people without offending them. A person may be able to solve all kinds of interpersonal problems, but have no clue as to matters of business. Our wisdom is often just foolishness, but what wisdom we have is often only in specific areas. And you may be really wise and able to handle a situation and bring it to that good conclusion in this area of your life, but it's only in that area. And in the other areas of your life, you're a complete washout. Our wisdom is foolishness often. Our wisdom, what we have, is in specific areas. And three, our wisdom also has limitations it can be measured. Our wisdom has limitations. It can be measured how much wisdom we have. Back in the day when I first started with the church, a guy in the church helped me build my first IBM-compatible computer. I believe it was an XT class, if you remember those days. And I had an IBM XT. And back in the day, computer software, they're called apps today, computer software was expensive, and guys, freelance guys, would write their own programs, and you could get them for free. It was called Shareware. Anybody remember Shareware? Back in the day, you could use this program, and the thought was, if you liked it, you were supposed to send the guy who wrote it money. How much money ever went to that guy, we won't even think about, but it was called Shareware. And I had a Shareware chess game. The computer would play chess against you. Now, the way that it worked, you set the difficulty level of the chess by setting up how much time the computer had to think. And when it was the computer's turn, it would start to calculate every single move that could be made on the board at that moment by himself. And when he figured out his best move, then he would calculate all of the moves that I could possibly make. And then he would, he would calculate all the moves from that move and back and forth as long as you gave him time, he would work that game, that computer would work out the game to its very end conclusion if you gave him that much time. And you could set it whether he could think for 10 seconds or for an entire day. And so each move would take one day. The thing could beat me on 10 seconds. Because it had already, when I, I'm not a very good chess player, I like to play, but I'm not very good. And if you get beyond two or three moves down the road, you're out of my league. But this computer could think a hundred moves down the line. When we, un when we think about that, how that works, it helps us see our own limitations of wisdom. Our wisdom can only think so far ahead. Each of us have a limited amount of brain power that sets the definite limitations on our wisdom. So here we have man's wisdom. When we're trying to think about God's wisdom, we have man's wisdom. It's just foolishness in disguise oftentimes. It's only in specific areas, and it's limited to, to a certain degree. It can only go so far. Now, when you think about that, now put that in exact opposite, and you have the wisdom of God. God is the exact opposite wisdom of all that. God's attributes insist on perfect wisdom. You know, his omniscience eliminates decisions based on partial information. 
His omnipresence eliminates not understanding the particulars of the situation. His infinitude eliminates his wisdom running out to its end. His grace eliminates the wisdom being used for selfish purposes. His justice eliminates wisdom uh, taking shortcuts. If we think about that chess program, it calculated moves based on its estimate of what move he thought I was going to make. And then it would figure out the best counter move, but it was limited to how fast the computer was and how much time I gave it. Do you know that God already knows all of the moves? He knows all of the possible moves. He doesn't have to figure that. He already knows all of the possible moves. And not only does that, he already knows all the other moves that are going to be made. It's not him trying to have to figure this out. He already knows. His wisdom is infinite. This is why Paul says he is the God only wise. Because compared to God, we have no wisdom. If for us to say that we have wisdom would be like for a, whole, a group of us to be standing together with Warren Buffett. And we're standing with Warren Buffett, we're talking, and all of a sudden out of the conversation, somebody in the group says to Warren Buffett, well, you're the only one here that has any money. And I say, no, wait a second. I got a buck 75 in my pocket. And you would look at me like, what kind of an idiot are you? Because when we talk about having money, and when we talk about Warren Buffett having money, we have two separate conversations, do we not? We're not in the same realm at all. God is the only wise one. And the fact of the matter is any true wisdom that we have has its origins in God anyway. The wisdom of God. If I would have asked you when you walked in here, do you believe that God is wise? Obviously all of you would have said, yes, we believe so, and that we believe he has all wisdom. But knowing that God is wise and living like God is wise are two separate things entirely. We don't want, merely want to know that God is wise. We want it to affect us. We want to live in the light of that wisdom. So tonight, let's do three effects that the wisdom ought to have on us, God's wisdom. Now, there should be a lot more than that, but we'll just handle three tonight. Number one, trust his wisdom. God is wise, we ought to trust his wisdom. You know, I've found in my own life that knowing that God is wise and trusting in that wisdom are two very different things. You can say it and actually believe it in your head, but living that is a totally different thing. I used to use this illustration at Meyer Hall. It's a true story, but I forget the names, but I'll give you the illustration anyway. There was a guy who in one of the major cities would take and stretch a cable between two of the skyscrapers as a demonstration. He would go out and walk across that cable back and forth. If you can imagine that, 10, 12, 14 stories in the air, he would walk across that cable stretched between those two buildings. After he did that, and the crowd would cheer him, you know, the crowd would gather to watch him do this, he would actually take a wheelbarrow and he would push that wheelbarrow back and forth across that, the, the, between those two buildings, across that cable. And the crowd would cheer. Now suppose that when he got the wheelbarrow back to the side, he would say, 
How many believe I could push a person across in, sitting inside that wheelbarrow? Well, you can imagine if you were in the crowd, you'd all be cheering, yeah, let's see, do we believe you could do that? But if he asked this question, who will get in the wheelbarrow? Do you see how quickly you're saying you believe, and you actually do believe he could do it, but you're living that belief takes an immediate turn. This is often how we deal with God. Yes, we believe that he has wisdom, but the living of it is where we run into difficulty. We don't really want to live that. Being and living are two separate things. Now, quite a few years ago now, I came to this crossroad, this crossroad I'm talking about, the difference between living the wisdom of God, and just believing it, just saying you believe it, or believing it actually, but it's in your head, versus living it. There were, I came to that crossroads in my life, and two illustrations helped me to understand the mental step that I had to take. And so I'll give you those two illustrations tonight to help you maybe make that mental step. If you've never taken that step between just saying you believe it, and actually believing it, but actually living in that wisdom. One of the illustrations, I'd read an old writer about that time who said... You must cast yourself blindfold into the arms of the Lord. You must cast yourself blindfold into the arms of the Lord. So I envision myself, because I'm a very visual, learning, illustrating kind of person. That's how I think. And so I envision myself standing on the edge of a cliff with a blindfold on and hurling myself off and expecting the Lord to be there. This was a huge help in my thinking about how I had to, what, no, I'm not suggesting you go home and jump off a cliff, okay? That's not, <laughs> that's the last, I'm getting a phone call tonight. That's not what we're talking about here. But do you understand? You're putting yourself totally out of your own control and trusting that God will do. I mixed that with this particular illustration. envisioned a blank piece of canvas, artist canvas. And I would say to the Lord, draw the picture. I don't care what the picture looks like, draw the picture. Draw me in the picture wherever you want me in the picture, or if you don't even want me in the picture, you draw the picture. There's no I need to be at least this far. I need to be at least that far. Too often we have preconceived ideas or expectations about life and what it should look like. And when I mentally said, no, wait a second, I'm not starting with a picture here. It's got to look kind of like this. Lord, you got a blank canvas here and you paint me into that picture or paint me out of the picture. It doesn't even matter. I leave it totally to your decision. It's trusting the wisdom of God to do all that needs done in my life. Those two illustrations really helped me to make that mental step that I needed to take from just saying that God is wise into actually living it. Trust his wisdom. Let it have complete say and sway in your existence. Trust his wisdom. Number two, seek his wisdom. Trust his wisdom and then seek his wisdom. You know, correct decisions are made in one of two ways. 
to be absolutely brilliant all, at all times yourself. Okay, if you're absolutely brilliant all the time yourself, then you can make correct decisions. Or ask someone who is absolutely brilliant all the time. That's how correct decisions are made. Now, very often in our view of wisdom is we're gathering up all of this information, absorbing it in such a way that we know all of the answers. You know what the problem with that is? Once you get your head full of that kind of information, your head swells. Now that's not a term we use very often anymore. You remember what that means when you were a kid? You said he has a swelled head. It doesn't mean that your, your brains are coming out your ears. It means that you start getting mighty proud of yourself. And if that's your view of wisdom, I'm going to get all of these things packed into my head so that I can, they can come out my mouth. I'll, I'll just have this infinite wisdom. You're headed for trouble. Because when you get to that point, you're going to start relying on your own wisdom instead of the Lord. You're going to rely on your own information and your success of your past decisions. My friend, wisdom is not having all this amazing store of information at your disposal. Wisdom is having access to the wise one, the only wise one. True wisdom is taking each situation to the Lord for the answer. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally. Our answers to daily life's daily questions are found in the Lord. And you can walk in perfect wisdom by simply taking each one of your situations to the one who has the answers. You can live in the wisdom of God. It's not this full knowledge you have in your head, but the fact that God has all of that in his. And you can live in his wisdom. And our third effect that this should have on us is worship. God's attributes should always cause us to worship. Think about a God who knows everything. He knows all the possibilities of everything. He knows the outcome of everything. He doesn't have to try to figure and calculate. He already knows. Think about God who never makes a mistake, who always brings everything to exactly the outcome that it needs to be. And think about having access to such a God. And get on your knees and worship him for being such an amazing God. The wisdom of God.